welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Go into why goal setting doesn't work. Has anybody here ever set a goal and not reached it? Unmute and say yes. Yep. Okay, yes. I'll say yes. 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 I'm an expert at not reaching goals. When yeah, you man. goals, okay, even the king, Glenn, just said yes. We all have to become experts at not reaching goals because it shows that we're setting big goals. So the real problem with goal setting doesn't have to do anything with the goal itself. I'll say that slowly again. It has nothing to do with the goal itself because any of us can pick up a pen and write down a goal. Any of us can do that, right? The question is, how do we hammer, hammer? Someone on mute and say, hammer. 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 No, 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 no. Say it like you're a multi, multi-millionaire. Hammer. 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 There you go. All right. So the reason goal setting doesn't work is because we don't have mechanisms to create like almost like a padding around the goal. 
We don't have a mechanism to create a padding around the goal. Okay, now when we talk about, like, what am I even talking about? Padding around the goal. Okay, well, I'll break this down. All right, so I want you to picture a house. Okay, let's say I'm, I'm holding this event. I think I, I put the link up top properly. Let me just click and see if it works. Go to link. Yeah, it looks like it's working. So I'm running this event with Jocko Willink and Brian Tracy. Uh, actually, tomorrow I'm in Florida right now. And I've been preparing like crazy for this event. We're going to have like, I don't know, 80 people in the room physically. We'll have about 600 virtual. It's going to be one of our bigger events that we've ever held. And so I'm doing all this preparation for the event trying to discover and teach during this event, like what is the number one thing that I can teach this audience to help them reach the next level. The name of the event is the Fire Up Your Firm Bootcamp, right? So the whole event is themed on the concept of how to light up, fire up your business, right? And so when we look at the concept of firing up your business, I had this analogy in my head. And I thought, okay, well, let's picture like an, a physical office. Now, I know a lot of us work virtually now, but I want you to picture for a second that your business is a physical office, okay? And your goal, if you want to fire up your business, your goal is to heat up that physical office to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, right? You want to just turn up the heat, right? So your goal is to turn up the temperature of the office i.e. your business, to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Now, in order for your goal to come true, meaning the goal to heat up your office to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, a couple of things have to happen, right? You will need fuel for the heater to work. You will need a heating system that the fuel of the heater can run through and actually heat the office up. You will need a thermostat to control the temperature. And you will also need to spend money on the heating bill. Okay? This guy is gone crazy. I know what you're thinking. But soon you will understand where I'm going with this. Now, I'm going to use an example of each component of this picture. You want to heat up your house to 90 degrees, right? That is your goal. How serious is that goal to you in your life? You want to fire up your business. You want to take things to the next level. How serious that goal is to you is what I call your conviction habit. Your conviction habit. Right? It's not about having, this is why goal setting doesn't work. It's not about having the goal to fire up your house to 90 degrees or whatever that goal is for you. To add another million in revenue or profit. To double your business, triple your business. Whatever your goal is. Right? It's not about the goal so much as it is the conviction habit attached to that goal. And what I mean by that is how do you generate conviction? Oftentimes people think to themselves, well, how does that person have so much conviction? Conviction is generated and oftentimes it's generated through pain. Conviction is not a, oh, some people are naturally born with confidence. No, people through pain and failures and the routines and habits that are learned to react to those pains and failures, right? They learn what are called conviction habits. These are all these different things that in involve like self-talk, right? For example, how you talk to yourself is an example of a conviction habit. That's why one conviction habit that I have attached to my goals is I have affirmation reminders go off of my phone every single day. Right now, my three affirmation words are present, present, decisive, and big. So I have an alarm that goes off my phone at 10, 2, and 6 p.m. three times a day, every single day, seven days a week. I'll be doing something and uh, 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 my phone will go off and I'll say, oh, wait, wait a second, man. Remember, be present, be decisive, and be big, right? Those are my three power words right now. That's a conviction habit. That's hammering in something that's most of the time not true. And I got to be reminded of it. Another conviction habit is writing down your goals every single morning, okay? Glenn's Morning 5 Planner 
does that, right? It's not about so much having the goal. It's more about having the conviction processes and systems in place so that the goal becomes real to you. Another process, in addition to writing down your goals every day, is reciting your goals out loud. They've done memory retention exercises and they found that you are like, I think it's like three times more likely to remember something when you say it out loud versus just writing it. And when you do both, when you write it and say it out loud, it's like the highest level of memory retention. Most of us have no memory process behind our goal. How are we hammering our goals to the front of our head? Constantly, conscious mind, not goals we wrote down once. So those are the conviction habits, right? So the quality, the quality of your goal execution will come down to how frequently you are reminded of the goal. All right, if that makes sense, unmute and say yes, if that makes sense to yes, you, conviction yes. habit. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so now we're looking at this house, right? Well, okay, the goal is to heat up the house to 90 degrees and whatever that goal is for you, again, adding a million, profit, revenue, whatever the goal is. Well, now we need fuel in the heat heater system. The fuel in the heater system is your why. Someone unmute and say why. Why? Say it again. Your why. My why. Okay. So your why is the fuel behind this heater system. So you can have the greatest goal in the world, but if you don't have fuel behind the heating system in your house or in your office or whatever this, this, uh, this picture that we're painting here is, okay the goal is going to burn out eventually. That's why Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why and it blew up. It's because he broke, he broke down the concept of how most people start with what and then justify the why reactively. They go, well, I want to achieve X and then they try to work their deep-seated reasons into their goals. The most successful people in the world they have such a strong why behind what they're doing that when adversity hits, they have fuel in the tank constantly. So there's this circle, it's called the, the golden circle, I think Simon Sinek calls it. And it's basically the circle that at the center of it has the why. So when he says start with why, it basically means that you're starting from a place of why you're doing what you're doing. I know for me, it's pretty simple. Family went bankrupt, uh, lost everything, and I don't want that to happen for myself, my future business, my, my businesses now, my future businesses, and those who work with me. So my motivating force is very simple. And, and yes, it's okay to be motivated by pain. It doesn't all have to be tooth fairy, you know, uh, tap dancing, happy, happy, slappy stuff. Okay. So that's number two, start with why this is why goal setting doesn't work. We would be better off spending more time on why this goal is so important than we would just, you know, writing down the goal without context tied to it. All right. The next one is your beliefs. You say happy, slappy, happy, slappy stuff. Just happy, so slappy. I'm taking notes here, so I want to know. Happy, happy doesn't have to be happy, slappy stuff. Got it. Okay. Yep. Good. Yep. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, so the next, the next part in this picture, okay, is once you have fuel in the heater, okay, so you, you want to turn up the, the gas at 90 degrees in the house. That's the goal, right? The next, you need fuel in your heating system. That's your why behind the goal, right? And then the next one is the actual heating system itself. So once you have the goal, the heating system itself is similar to your habits. Okay. Your habits will end up being the weakest link of your execution. Okay. So if you have this great goal, you have this big why behind it, but you don't have habits in place to make the execution of that goal 
seamless, it's going to be difficult to continue on a path to progress, right? So this is why Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, was such a popular book is because it broke down a very simple three-step framework on how to form habits. Cue, routine, reward. Cue, routine, reward, right? To redesign your habits, the secret is to redesign your routines, right? And to become more self-aware of the cues, okay, the things in your life that kind of tip you off balance. That would be a cue. So for example, if you walk into the house and the cue is we have nothing prepared for dinner, right? And you open up and the cue and that cue causes you to then open up your cupboard where you then see you have all this, all this candy, right? The routine could be, okay, when I get home, I eat candy. So to replace that routine, there's all these different processes you can do to, to change your habits, right? By one of the most important things is to realize that willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work, right? So remove the temptations from your environment and forming better habits is dramatically easier is what they find in these, in these habit studies. But more importantly than that, you have to, you have to actually consciously build new routines in addition to replace bad routines. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, you could go and, you know, try to replace a routine attached to every cue in your life, or you could just go and scrap whatever you're doing right now and just consciously build new routines in your life, like a, a morning routine, right? So a morning routine is, it, it gives you a insurance policy against future temptations or cues that can throw you off guard, right? So a morning routine is so high value because if you change the way you start your day, it'll have a massive impact on your life. I can't can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Can Let's I get, get an, an amen, amen real quick. I'm mute. Can we get an amen on that? Amen. 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 Click that. Yep. So, so the heating system, the heating system of your life, if you want to fire up your life, will break at the strength or weaknesses of your habits, of your recurring behaviors, right? And the way that you change your behaviors is by changing your routines, right? Cue routine reward. So I'll give you one last example before we go into the next part of the analogy. So a lot of people, they have a crash at 2 p.m. each day, where at 2 p.m. you feel like you have a crash of energy. And that is a cue. So what happens is the cue is your brain has less glycogen in it, and therefore you start seeking things that can bring you more energy. So the cue is a feeling of tiredness or grogginess. Now there's a couple different routines you could choose in that circumstance. You could choose the routine of, um, for example, going and eating candy. That would be option one routine. Option two is drinking a cup of coffee at 2 p.m. And then option number three is to close your eyes for five minutes, take a deep breath and meditate and detach from your feelings of tiredness. Now, in that example, option one, two, or three, which one would be the best? Three. Three. Right? Exactly. So we all consciously know. And then the second best would be coffee and the third best would be I kind of like candy, candy, though. I kind of like candy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I kind of like long, candy. As long as you're being conscious about it, right? So, <laughs> That's so right. There are bodybuilders who actually do consciously eat candy during strategic parts of the day when they're in a fast, like, so I'm not saying all, all you know, eating candy is bad, but the point is how conscious is the behavior behind when you crash at 2 p.m. So that is an example of changing the routine attached to a cue, right? Now, a proactive habit formation example would be that every 50 minutes proactively before, someone on mute and say before. 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 Okay. So before before you feel tired, you form a proactive habit that every 50 minutes before 2 p.m., you will consciously take a break from your work, shut your eyes for five minutes. 
So you see what I'm saying there is that is a proactive habit that would replace the need for you responding to the cue of I'm low energy at 2 p.m. Right. So habit formation is is so, so powerful. So the habits are the actual heating system. So let's say you have a goal and conviction habits tied to it. Right. You're hammering it into your head. Right, then you have a wide. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. That's the fuel for your heating system. Then you have the heating system in place, meaning a set of habits that makes your goal attainable, right? Because we will always fall to the level of our lowest habit. The next one is the thermostat, right? The thermostat is your beliefs. So I'll explain this. So your thermostat in this, in this makeshift house or office that you wanna fire up in your life, okay, let's say you've t you, you decided the goal is to increase temperature to 90 degrees. You have fuel, you have a Y for your heating system, right? You have a heating system itself that works, but then your belief is that, well, even though I have all of this stuff put together to help my house get to 90 degrees, my current thermostat, my beliefs stop at 65 degrees as an example. So your beliefs are essentially the phrases, the questions, the words, the limiters most times in your head that stop you from your full potential. So your beliefs, okay, your beliefs are your ability. Your beliefs are your, changing your beliefs is tied to your ability to change the language patterns in your head which they do this. There's a whole thing called cognitive behavioral therapy that teaches this, right? And belief rewiring starts with identifying the language pattern of a faulty belief and replacing it with a quality question, right? This is how, what made Tony Robbins basically a billionaire is because he, this is what he teaches. He teaches people to become aware of negative language patterns and then to replace those negative language patterns with positive empowering phrases also known as affirmations and positive empowering questions which he calls quality questions right so quality questions are the solution to faulty thinking patterns so you know there i'll never have enough money to uh that that would be the faulty belief pattern which would materialize in language then we would change that with the a new question which would be how can I generate X in money? Okay, the faulty belief pattern that I'll always be lonely to how can I integrate relationships into my current way of life, right? So most of the empowering quality questions will come start with three words, how can I, right? Because you could have all, this, all these goals, but if your language patterns are still that of the the you from two and a half years ago, you will eventually go back down the 65 degrees. And then last but not least is the most important one for this whole process to work, okay? For you to heat up your house to 90 degrees, which is the goal, for this whole process to work, you have to spend money on the heating bill. You have to commit. So you could have all these bulletproof processes in place and the habits and the beliefs and, and all these things dialed in and the goal is clear, but then you don't commit. Commitment happens in two places, it happens in the wallet and the calendar, right? If show me your purchase history, show me your calendar and I'll tell you what you're committed to. Don't, don't talk to me about what you're committed to. Show me your calendar, show me your purchase history and your bank account. I'll tell you what you're committed to. Right? So how much money you spend on the heating bill is an example of commitment. So there's a, there's a framework that 
I discovered called the four C's framework, which I talk about a ton of times. A lot of people think, well, I have all this potential. I could achieve X. I could do X goal, but I need to wait until I'm ready. Most people believe that they have to gain a skill, a capability before they commit. So most people say, well, I'll, I'll get to that when I have the skill. When I have the skill of public speaking, then I'll direct message Glenn Lundy and ask if I can talk on Breakfast with Champions. Once I have the skill of public speaking, then I'll reach out. The people who make the fastest progress are those who commit first before they have the capability and through the commitment form the capability or the skill, right? So commitment is the vessel to capability, not the other way around. You don't gain capability by huddling, you know, hunched over in front of your computer doing research on how to public speak. You gain the capability of public speaking by committing to a public speaking event. And so the four C's go commit, commit, courage, capability, confidence. You, you commit to public speaking. You go through a period of courage, which is step two, commit courage, right? Courage does not feel good. Courage with that, that it's that, it's that gut wrenching feeling like, ah, I gotta muster up the strength for this. The commitment feels great. The courage feels bad. Commit, courage, capability. Once you get through the courage period of any new commitment, you then walk away with a new capability. Oh, wow, I did it. I didn't flop in front of 100 people. And if I, even if I did flop, I did it. I got it out of the way. So now you have a new capability. I can flop on stage and still live. That's pretty important. And then the result of commit, courage, capability, confidence is confidence, the fourth C right? You walk away with a newfound level of confidence. Now let's say the confidence that you've built is I can speak in front of 20 people now, right? I can speak in front of 20 people now. Most people stop at their confidence level. And this, this becomes what's called a circle of sameness. They stop at what they're currently confident about. Well, I've spoken in front of 20 people. And I'll just keep speaking in front of 20 people because that's, that's what I'm confident around. I don't want to go speak in front of 100 people because I don't have confidence around that yet. Well, that's, again, you're violating the 4C framework, right? The next logical step is, okay, let me now commit to, before I'm ready, speak in front of 100 people. All right, great. Now let me commit to speak in front of 200 people. And then you go through that same process again and again and again and again. The same thing can be applied to spending more money on your marketing. It can be applied to hiring people. See, most people trap themselves because of this framework. They go, well, 10 years ago, I decided to get into this industry or this niche. That's their level of confidence right now. But if it's the wrong niche of business, if it's the wrong industry, if it's the wrong job, they're unwilling to commit to find the right job and find the right industry. If that makes sense, unmute and say yes. 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 Of course it makes sense, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I think that I, from what I heard right there, it sounded like it made sense to three people. Um, I'm pretty sure there's like 400 people in there. So if it makes sense, say yes. 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 Yes, 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 yes sir. Yes. 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 yes, yes. yes. My brain's exploding. <laughs> my brain is exploding i love that <laughs> okay so appreciate appreciate that glenn all right so the next part so this right. is why goal setting doesn't work i'll say that again goal setting doesn't work if you don't hammer in your why properly recode your beliefs build conviction behind the goal through your conviction habit right actually have the habits in place, which is the heating system, right? And if you don't take action and commit first to the actions that you need to take in order to reach the goal. So that's what I wanted to, um, that's what I wanted to share on, on the importance of goal setting. Now, the second part I want to share. Bill, this is Ed. Have you made an NFT out of that diagram? 
No, not yet. I could. I could. That's a good. That's a good idea. Thank you for that. Um, so the next thing I want to kind of go through with everyone is your new relationship to time and money. So once we're clear on our goals, we have insurance policies in place behind where these goals, how these goals are going to get done, the habits behind them, the beliefs, all that, right? Then we have to change our relationships to time and money, right? So time and money are relationship to these two assets, right? Will either be the predictor of our success or the demise of our success. So most people spend time to get money and results, but the wealthiest people on our planet spend money to buy time and buy results. So most people spend time to get money and results. The wealthy people spend money to buy time and buy results. Right? So there are three secrets of your relationship to time and money. Three secrets of commitment, we'll call it. And I was doing research on this and I found, you know, as, as we've scaled our business to, you know, and I always share this because I know we have new, new people in here, to over eight figures in four years, we did that by this three-pronged progress triangle. Does anybody want to know what the progress triangle is? If not, I'll move on. Yes. You better share that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Uh, energy's picking up a little bit, okay? A little let's bit. Let's go, Bill. All right. Let, let's remember this, guys. Let's remember this. If you want to take your life to the next level, no external source will bring energy to you. It's on you to bring the energy. Energy is generated. You don't wait for energy to come. So if you want more energy in your business, which will materialize in more profit, more freedom, more revenue, then operate with energy. Can I get an energetic? Thank you. Come on. I love Ooh, it. Okay. Ooh, ah, hoo, ah, hoo, ah. All right. <laughs> That's good. I'm gonna use I'm gonna make an NFT on that diagram. All right, so three secrets, the progress triangle. I want you to notice, I want you to actually picture this. It's a triangle. At the top of the triangle is what's called the pain of payment. The bottom right of the triangle is the calendar effect. And the left bottom left side of the triangle is the group accountability effect. In the center of these three elements of the progress triangle lies rapid progress. That's why I call it the progress triangle. So let's talk about each of them. The pain of payment. When you pay for something, when you pay for something, it causes pain. They do studies on this, and you can actually look up articles on this. It's really fascinating. When I say commitments are made the wallet or the calendar, I'm not just saying that, cool little concept from Bill. No, like there's, there's science behind it, right? What happens when you spend money on something is it triggers, it's one of the only actions that triggers dopamine and cortisol simultaneously in the brain, meaning it triggers dopamine is nature's happy drug and cortisol is nature's stress drug, right? It's a, it's a stress hormone. So the reason why this is really powerful is when you spend money on something, it enlightens you, it gives you positive energy, dopamine, and it also gives you cortisol, which is also known as buyer's remorse, right? So it gives you this, feel, this, this concurrent feeling of excitement and fear. Turns out that that feeling of excitement and fear is, the, is one of the best emotional concoctions for you to take massive action. The people who take the fastest, most rapid action in their lives are operating with a combination of dopamine and cortisol 
simultaneously because they're constantly making commitments, right? So that's the pain of payment concept. The next concept in the progress triangle is what's called the calendar effect. So the calendar effect is the same thing. It's crazy when you look into this. When someone says they're going to do a goal, right, those who say they're going to do their goals versus those who actually schedule their next action item for the goal, the, the two the two thoughts are the, the two emotional reactions to the human is completely different. When you just say your goal, it triggers just dopamine most of the time when you say a goal to yourself because there's no external accountability, right? The external accountability of putting it in the calendar triggers the cortisol, which is important. So the next way to trigger the dopamine cortisol balance is by scheduling it. So if you spend money on it and you schedule it, you've now hit this magical concoction of dopamine and cortisol twice, right? And then the third one is where it becomes completely unstoppable. The third prong of the progress triangle is what's called group accountability. So group accountability triggers the same effect, dopamine, cortisol, right? You are 95% less likely to follow through on a diet or exercise plan without a partner. Ninety-five percent less likely to follow through on a diet or exercise plan without a partner. Makes sense, right? There's public account. Most people think I gotta will my way into the gym and I gotta work out harder and put my head down. And I'm in Florida right now, as I got, as I told you guys, and I have this big event tomorrow. And when I flew down to Florida Sunday night, I pre-booked high-intensity interval training for the entire week. I can't think about my workouts. I need someone else to tell me, hey, do this, do that, do this. I pre-ordered meal prep for the entire week. I can't think about what I'm eating throughout this week. Found the local meal prep company. It took me 20 minutes. I had meal prep delivered to my hotel, and I had the accountability of the, of the high-intensity interval training uh, uh, place that I signed up for. And by the way, when I signed up for the, for the workout place, I prepaid for the entire week. The person, the person, the manager there called me and was like, Mr. Hauser, I think that your credit card um, went through five times and yeah, we're doing a proactively refund you. I was like, I called him back. I was like, no, don't refund me. She was like, what are you talking about? You're not a new member here. Don't you need to go through our fitness evaluation free? I was like, no, please don't refund me. You're doing me a disservice. I need to pre-commit. I need to pre-commit because that hits on all three elements of the progress triangle. A, okay, I've spent money on all week sessions. B, it's in my calendar. And C, there's gonna be people in the group exercise class that I'm in. So there's public accountability, there's the calendar effect, and there's the, uh, there's the pain of payment concept all hitting together in one. So I don't have to think about what I'm eating all week or my exercise all week. If this is making sense, unmute and say yes. It's yes, amazing. Yes, 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 yes. If okay, you're going to go, go big. Yes. Okay. So now let's talk about this. What are, if the pain of payment, okay, if the pain of payment is number one, and by the way, the pain of payment is number one. It triggers the most dopamine and it triggers the most anxiety or cortisol. So if pain of payment is one of the keys of the progress triangle, then how do we pay for more stuff? Well, you got to get more money to pay for more stuff. So these are the, uh, he, these are some money beliefs of super success. Okay. Number one is vision cures almost all negative money beliefs. If you know I'm going here, in three years, I'm doing this in revenue, I am going here, it's easy to spend tens of thousands of dollars a month or hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing and payroll and the things that are required to take your business to the next level. If you don't believe where you're going or it's not clear, it's hard to. So vision cures most limiting beliefs around money. The next belief that everyone misses is we, you know, we think that we need to save money or cut costs. 
there's a thousand lines on a profit and loss statement, not really under a hundred, but there's way more lines on a profit and loss statement in a business that are expenses than there are revenues. If you look at a, in, a profit and loss statement, literally like the first couple of lines are in income, right? And then everything else is expenses. I, I pretty much think that's a reflection of the human brain. <laughs> profit and loss statements are just a, a sign of the human condition. People focus on the expenses a hundred times more than they do on the outcome, the, the upside, the revenue growth. So if you were to just think of growing the top line in your life, getting more revenue in the door, everything will change. The next one is to realize you got to get mad about the opposite stuff. See, most people get mad when they spend too much money on something. Like, for example, we do marketing for lawyers and sometimes we'll have, we'll have lawyers who are like, uh, well, I, I just want to spend no more than $10,000 a month. And they think that that's a lot of money, right? Which is a whole other story, but they think $10,000 a month is a lot of money, right? And they get pissed about it. They're like, yeah, I don't want to spend anything more than $10,000 a month on my marketing. So what I mean by get mad at the opposite stuff is you should be pissed. You should be mad if you only spend $10,000 a month on your marketing. You should be like, dang, how many people am I going to have to lay off? I'm interviewing this guy who does $40 million a year. At, at, uh, he, he's like a big personal injury lawyer in Kentucky. Uh, tomorrow I'll be interviewing him uh, on stage at the Fire Up Your Firm event. Um, and I'm going to ask him the question when I interview him tomorrow. I'm going to say, what would you, what, how would you feel if your marketing director came and told you that you spent $30,000 last month on your marketing? And I can't wait to see his face. He's going to go, it's only $30,000. What? Oh, I would, I'd be ready to lay off 100 people if I only spent $30,000 a month on my marketing. Right? So get mad about the opposite stuff, right? So the next money belief that, you know, the money beliefs of super success is what I said earlier. Don't spend time to get money and results. Spend money to buy time and results, right? Money is commitment. Commitment feels great, right? So the things you're committed to, you should be spending the most money around. Now, when I'm saying get, you know, get up, get mad about the opposite things, I'm not saying get mad if you didn't spend $100,000 on shoes or a Lamborghini. Because my next question would be, what does that relate to your goals? Which goal does you buying a Lamborghini relate to? So that's why, like, for me, like, it's so funny. When I go, when I go like, shopping, I'm, like, completely, I'm concerned about little pennies on things that don't have anything to do with my goals. But then when it comes to marketing, it's the complete opposite. I'm, I'm like, how can I spend $680,000 in Q1? How can I? Because I know that relates to my goals. How can I spend more than 600 grand a year on coaches? Because I know I don't have all the answers. I will be spend happy on the things that are related to my goals, but hard, hard to part with money on everything else, right? So the, the conclusion here in most cases is the best bet is to double down on your business. So if you really think about it, passive income, everyone sold this myth about passive income, but when you invest in real estate, why is the return, you know, between 10 to 15% per year? Well, it's because it's mainly passive. You don't have to do a ton of work for, if you buy into a commercial real estate fund or, or you, you know, buy into the stock market or whatever, passive income usually comes 9.9 .9 times out of 10 with a lower return 
on your money. But if you run your own business, running your own business is the only place for most people where you can put a dollar in and turn it into $3 by the end of the year, predictably year over year over year, because you have the most control over the business, right? Not to mention the most successful business people, I'm sorry, the most successful investors usually have business chops. They paid the price of business to understand the fundamentals of investing. So we can tie the progress triangle, okay, which again, the three lines of the progress triangle is pain of payment, calendar effect, group accountability. We can tie these three principles the pain of payment, calendar effect, group accountability to any area of our life. Well, if you want to get better health results in your life, spend more money and time on health. How do you spend more money and time on health? You commit to things that can benefit your health. So instead of talking about you wanting to improve your health, schedule it right now and prepay for a personal trainer. If the personal trainer does month to month, ask hey, is there any way I can pay you for the whole year? The person will go, what? When I hired my personal trainer and my diet coach, I, ask, I always ask that question when I hire a coach. Hey, can I pay you for the entire year because I'm not wishy-washy, like I'm, I'm in this for the long term. And I want to commit now so that there's pain of payment. Right? Can I buy a posture brace right now? Can I order meal prep right now? Anybody can do this. Open your calendar type meal prep companies in your local town, click done. Now you've committed to your health. Way better than contemplating what is the perfect diet plan? Who's the perfect coach for me? Just hire the freaking coach. Ties into your leads and your marketing, right? If you wanna grow your business, okay, spend more money on marketing. This is the cheat code. when. If, if there's one thing that grew the top line revenues of our business in the, in, in the last four years, it's this one thing. Spend so much money on marketing that your head spins off your freaking shoulders. That's it. It'll cause pain of payment. It'll cause, it'll force you to get good at marketing. It'll force you to dial in your systems. It'll force you to sell a better product and improve your product. Because you're like, dang, I can't keep making these mistakes again. I'm spending too much money on marketing. I got to dial this all in fast. The same thing happens with delegation or hiring a team. If you want to grow your business, don't contemplate, you know, uh, do I need to hire someone? Can I, can I outsource this for pennies using Upwork and a, a freelancer? Just hire a full-time employee. It's such a, such a cathartic feeling when you hire a full-time employee. Everyone's not committal, non-committal around their business commitments. Well, I have all these freelancers that I can, if, if work slows down, then I can can them. Okay, well, you're just not committed. That's how I look at it. When you, that's why we, we, we took the opposite route with our agency and coaching businesses. Like we hired, you know, we've, almost 40 full-time W-2 employees that their families depend on me. Like, I love that feeling. Sign me up, man. Sign me up for that pressure. Bring it on. I don't want to tiptoe around with all these freelancers. I want, I want the pressure of, I gotta, I got, I must. Someone unmute and say the word must. 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 No choices here. I must. must. I must. Right? Back up against the wall. Okay? The next thing is around coaches. Right? So these are the three expenses that when we look back over our business, our top line revenue grows every time we spend more money on these three areas. Marketing payroll coaches, marketing, payroll coaches, like clockwork. If I, as soon as I get in the cost cutting mode, I'm like, how can we, how can we operate with the same size team we have now 
and just earn a little bit more profit. Every time it results in six months of no growth. Because it shows I'm not committed. It shows I'm not pedal to the metal for the future. Every time when we look at our marketing, we just got, we just secured Michael Gerber, the author of the E-Myth, who will be on our talk show next Tuesday. Um, it was 20 grand to get him on, on, on the talk show, $20,000. Okay, I told, I, told, uh, I told Emmy, who does some of our speaker outreach, I told her, eh, couple weeks like last week I was like I don't know if I want to spend the 20 grand then I woke up yesterday I was like man I'm about to give this presentation on pain of payment pay the twenty thousand dollars someone unmute and say pay the 20k bill pay the 20k bill let's go hey bill come on pay the 20k hey bill I'm gonna need you to pay that 20k (laughs) (laughs) so polite right so same thing applies to coaches. Okay. When Glenn Lundy saw what we were doing with virtual events, literally calls me and goes, there's no small talk. And you guys know Glenn's a nice guy, right? No small talk. He, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, y'all, every, you know, okay. how much do I have to pay you to learn everything you know about virtual events? You remember that call, Glenn? Of course. I remember that call. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. So he was looking, he was like, and I'm not going to tell him what you said, though. I'm not going to tell him that part. Yeah. So, so he, he, here's the thing. He's looking for ways to, tr- to spend money around areas where he wants to master something because it creates this effect. Right? So any area of your business, every single chapter of us growing our business has been this experience of who's the next coach. Up to $4 million, I am completely convinced if you, if anyone here wants to build a business on solely marketing and sales skills, you can do it up to $4 million. If you just master sales and marketing with a mediocre service, which I hope no one here is offering a mediocre service, but I'm saying in an if-then scenario so you don't put so much pressure on yourself. Hey, Microsoft is a mediocre service a long time ago. Yeah, it's a great point, right? On a mediocre service, you can get to $4 million just through sales and marketing expertise. So where should you be spending all your time and money? Spend all your time and money on sales and marketing. Marketing, yep, marketing expenses. If you're not paying a ton of money in commissions, that means you have no one selling for you. That's a problem. And then if you're not spending a ton of money on coaches to help you contextualize your marketing investments, right? Like you have like we have to rise to our investments. We have to rise as leaders to the investments that we make. So all the way up until when we did 4 million, all the coaches I hired were all sales and marketing coaches. And then you learn, okay, well, I still need the sales and marketing stuff, but I also need, and then past 4 million, it's like you need the the management stuff, the culture stuff, the, you have to learn how to become a level five leader and, and build the systems and the, processes behind holding your team accountable and having employee scorecards and having clear uh, one-on-one policies on how your department heads have one-on-ones with their team and this whole different skill set right so who's the coach for that for me it was cameron harold 1-800-GOT-JUNK coo right so and the question is do you just abandon the past coaches i don't know some people do i don't like i layer them all in when I heard how much LeBron spends on his body, changed my life. I was like, no crap, he's this successful. Right? So pain of payment, the scheduling effect, right? How much? How much? I don't even know. It was like it was like over two million dollars, right? I think it's two million dollars a year. Wow. On his body. He's like looking, how can I commit? to my body, right? So if you value time over money, right? So here's a good exercise. If I were to tell you, you can have $10 million right now, unmute and say yes, if you would accept a $10 million wire transfer from me right now. 
sir. Depends on the condition. Yes, yes, yes. 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 gmail.com. And my account number yes. is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, the contingency, which someone, uh, which someone added, is you get the $10 million, but today is your last day. Now, would you want the 10 million? Yes or no? Unmute. Nope. You can have nope. Thank you. Keep uh, your money. Okay. Nope. So, you just showed that you value time over money. One day. One day is worth more than $10 million to you. One day. Why don't we live like it? What if you treated each hour? divided that $10 million number by how many hours in a week? Let's say it's a 40 hour work week, which, you know, that's, that's Just a say million dollars an hour, Bill, 10, 10 hour day, good, good solid 10 hour day. Yeah. Million dollars an hour. So, so what if you operated your life from that perspective? What if you valued each hour of your time output as much as that example I just gave you? What if, let, I know it's unrealistic for some of us, but Cut it in half. Cut it in half five times. What if your hourly rate was $10,000 an hour? Right? So think about that. If your hourly rate was $10,000 an hour, things change, right? Immediately, you start seeing holes in where you're spending your time. Right? You start seeing, hmm... Okay, if I could pick up this individual client call. I could put out this fire with this current client who's complaining. But what is the half-life of that time spent? Half-life is like a whole thing in drugs, right? Where, where when, you take, when you take a drug, there's like a half-life attached to it. I don't know a lot about it. But basically, it's when half of the medication wears off, I think. But long story short, what is the, what is the ripple effect of you spending an hour on the phone with an angry client. There's no return. Now, if you were to just replace your thinking to say, okay, how can I take this client problem that I was gonna go and manually spend my time on and how do I shift that to $10,000 an hour task from a $100 an hour task or a $10 an hour task and you'd immediately start thinking, oh, well, okay, I could spend this same hour creating a system so that in the future, when a fire pops up with a client, there is a system and process in place and someone else is trained on how to use that system so that I'm ejected from that process, right? Dr. Bill called it ADD, I think. Yeah. You need to automate, well, you need to delegate. Yes. And you need to delete. Man, I love that. You said it. So I, I, I have this I have this joke that I say is um and you know, everyone calls it um ADD, attention deficit disorder. And I and I always say I've been blessed with AAD, attention abundance disorder. I have too much attention on too many things all the time and it's really fun. Thank you for blessing me with AAD. Right? Because everyone has it. If you look at the stuff who are successful, they have traits of dyslexia, they have traits of hypomania, and they have traits of ADD. So congratulations for being successful. If you have any of the above. You get super excited about stuff, that's hypomania, right? You usually have a little bit of anxiety behind it. Congratulations for the ability to look around corners. That's what anxiety is. It allows you to ask what if questions question is the quality of the what if question right and the ADD it, yeah it, that running a business is the ultimate solution to ADD because there's like you have so many things you have to be aware of all the time that it calms you down if you're if you're a true entrepreneur complexity makes you feel calm you're like oh, I love complexity because if I don't have complexity in my environment, that means the complexity is going to build up in my head, right? So I want you guys to uh, click the link up top. Uh, Fire Up Your Firm event is taking place tomorrow. 
We will be interviewing Jocko Willink tomorrow, uh, the forming, form, former Navy SEAL commander. Um, then we'll also be interviewing Brian Tracy again on a deeper uh, how to achieve your goals in 2022 type topic. He's written the number one book on goal setting. And I'm interviewing a couple of people who are worth over $100 million at this event. Uh, I will be on stage early tomorrow. So if you guys want to see the event, tune in for a little virtually. Feel free to. The link is at the top. This is the end of my chunk of time. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.